This reading can be quite perplexing since uh, when we give the Lord a burden, it doesn't always get uh, lifted from us. What is this light burden? You know, it's often read, we read this at the anointing of the sick. It's, it's one of the, the, the preferred readings. And I, I almost always use all or part of this. And the person suffering, you know, has a terrible burden sometimes. What does this mean? I, uh, my Hispanic minister happened to bring this in. I said, oh, I've got to have this for this Sunday. It even matches the church. I think I'll, this is the tape version. I'll cut this part out, but I think I'm going to steal it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm always trying to explain this, and here it is right, right visibly. When Jesus says, uh, take my yoke on your shoulders, he's, uh, he's referring to the fact that the yoke has two openings, okay? This is, a, this is the way it would have looked in, in biblical times, and uh, we don't use these anymore, so it's not in our consciousness. But he's saying, I'm going to place, I'm going to allow you to, to have a burden, but it's going to be, and what these things were is they were fitted to the oxen. So it would have been, these oxen would have had their own yoke. And so Christ has something that he's going to fit to us so that we, uh, it's something that fits us. But who's in the other side pulling? It's Christ, you know. And oftentimes when you're sick, you have a lot of family that are also yoked in. You know, maybe there's more than one in a sense. We're all pulling with them. But Christ is always suffering with the person or, or encouraging them. But for some reason, it's something we have to also participate in with Christ. What dignity is there if Christ did all the work, which he did, of course. We can't earn heaven. Uh, but, but to have shared something with him is something we will share forever. If you ever shared a suffering with a loved one, you know, it stays with you even in eternity. No words need to be said. You know, I, I should use this for marriage, huh? <laughs> no bride wants this in their wedding. <laughs> All right, I'll, I won't put that in the next version. We shouldn't use... This, this one is always the, the trial balloon sermon. Anyway, it, um, I, it's very interesting that Christ uses this because I remember um, when I was in the uh, monastery, it was <clears throat> years ago, and uh, it was many, many years ago, and, and uh, I, was, I had decided that that wasn't what I wanted to do. I still wanted to serve the Lord as a priest, but not, not in the Benedictine place I was in. And I, I remember praying over this reading. It was the reading of the day. And I said, I've got to find something less burdensome. Well, this isn't it. <laughs> I think I made the wrong choice if I was looking for a less burdensome life. You know, it, we really make a mistake if we think that Christ is going to take all our burdens away. It, it's just that when you know somebody loves you or you're doing something out of love uh, or you know there's purpose and meaning to every. Thing that happens, particularly suffering, the burden becomes light because we see the, the end is going to be good. God will explain it all to us. Look at the society we live in. If, you know, Oregon is not exactly known for its religiousness, is it? People roll into this state and they leave their, their, their faith, whatever it is. I, I don't know what it is. It's the Oregon tradition. And what, do we, what is the official policy for suffering in this, in this state? They just, let's just end our lives. There's no meaning to suffering. And this is not the Christian way. It's not that we encourage suffering. We do all we can to avoid it. But when it is unavoidable, there's great meaning to it. The, the first part of this, 
is even better. Our Lord makes it very clear that not everyone gets, gets it. Not everyone is given the grace to understand what's going on in this world. Who does he say have the best insight? He says, you've hidden from the wise and the learned what you reveal to little ones. The, in, in, you know, in the context of 2,000 years ago, Jesus is speaking of the law in the original context of this. The Jewish law, uh, by the time of Christ, the, the Pharisees were the, were the chief arbiters of the law, and their role developed after the, after the con- conquest of, the, of Israel by the Greeks, and the, the Maccabean revolt occurred. This is when the Greeks came in, they, uh, they profaned the temple, they put to death anybody that was following the law, they tried to introduce the Greek ways, as was customary throughout the, what later became the Roman Empire, and they... Uh, many people lost the faith at that point. So when they were driven out by the Maccabees, which is in the, the Apocrypha, uh, it's the most historical book in the Old Testament, actually, is the two Maccabees. Uh, every bit of it has been, has been um, almost every bit of it has been um, uh, corroborated by other sources. But, but after that happened, the Pharisees rose in charge of the synagogues to encourage people back to the faith. And this is why you found them sitting in the front of synagogues and painting their faces uh, a certain color when they were fasting. It wasn't originally to show off. They were trying to encourage the people to pray in a certain way. But by the time of Christ, you got 150 years later, and you know the law, of course, uh, was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old, written for a nomadic people wandering in the desert. It's kind of like the U.S. Constitution, written 250 years ago, and we're having a big debate in this country right now about how it's supposed to be interpreted, aren't we? Is it going to be by the letter of the law, or is it going to be loosely interpreted, and who decides how loose it's going to be? You know, this is exactly what they were doing with the Jewish law, and some certain groups were more rigorous than others. The Pharisees had come up with some 900 precepts in there, each of which had ramifications. It was so complex that you had to be a professional in order to follow it. So they, they got to the point where they looked down on their noses at the commoners because they couldn't possibly fulfill this. Look how righteous we are. We're fulfilling all these precepts that they themselves had delineated. And Christ comes in, he says, I want to I get this burden off of you. And he gives us these two commandments, love of God, love of neighbor, you know. So with our burdens, Jesus, um, in the world today, the wise and the learned is not necessarily those with advanced degrees in education. What he's talking about is people that are so full of themselves that they can't find God. They, they have all the answers. They don't need God, and they're on the wrong track because they don't see that God is everywhere in this world. It's very interesting because God has created the world so that if you don't want to see him, you can't. If you don't want to uh, have God in your life, it can seem to be a reasonable proposition. This is so that we will have a free choice whether we're going to follow God or not. Our life is one choice after the other, and when we uh, meet God, my life is going to be my choice. And hopefully, in the missteps, I've told God I'm sorry, and we've learned from each misstep. And really, who are the ones that come to God? Who are the ones, we, when we had our mission with Sister Breege McKenna, we're trying to get him to come, her, that group to come in for the priest now, or for the archdiocese, that'd be even better, because that's what she does. Mostly she preaches to priests, she and Father Kevin. But when they were here, who were the people that packed the church? 
especially on the, the healing service. And that Monday, Monday night penance service, I'll never get over that. That's priest day off. Try to get a priest to come to a penance service on a Monday. But we had 10 of them here. And the place was filled with people that wanted to be forgiven. And at the healing service, it was filled with people that had some burden of their neighbor or their relative or themselves. These are the people that are always open to Christ. Who are the most open people? They're on their sickbed, aren't they? I have a number of hard-boiled individuals that you come in, and I, I, you know, it's not my favorite thing to do, but somebody will call and they'll say, I need you to go over and convert my relative before they die, you know, this kind of thing. You know, but, but what I, of course, what I always do is ask their permission, among other things, to say they are Father. And, you know, as often as not, they'll say it with me. Because in that, when you're, when you're sick or you've been flattened by something in life, we realize that we don't have all the answers, that this world is not ours, that we were given this as a gift, and we, we're stewards of, of, of the world that we live in, not just the earth, but, but our individual lives and our work and our family and our struggles are our own. And Christ wants uh, to, be, to share the burden with us, but in our, what we lack, this is our opening for Christ to come in. That's why he says, I'm meek and humble. If you are meek and humble, you're going to find me there. I'm in, the, I'm in the yoke next to you. If you run away from your yoke, you're running away from me because I'm right there. I'm there pulling with you. Uh, you can't escape it. That earth, that's what earth is all about, is, is sharing something with others, going through something, growing through suffering and joys. And Christ shares both of them. He wasn't just giving us burdens. He also enjoyed a good meal, and he often shared one with people. You know, and so which is, of course, the Mass is sacrifice and sacred meal. So our Lord, excuse me, invites us to share his burden. He wants to, um, he has something that's fitted for us. I have to admit, it's not my favorite gospel in some ways. I don't want to have a fitted yoke. I want to get rid of it, but that's not the way it is with Christ. I told this story at Daily Mass. I had, it was on the 4th of July, I had a branch go into my eye. It actually went into the eye. So after a long series of um, of uh, fix-ups, uh, I came to realize that I couldn't get rid. It's it's gotten better already, so I'm grateful to God for that. But but um, on the way over to Kaiser Permanente over here, Kaiser Station, I stopped in it at uh, uh, at Michael's to pick something up with my with my damaged eye, you know. And there was a person in front of me that uh, didn't have a coupon, so I had my phone out with my coupon on it. I just said, here, use my phone. And the lady said to me, the checkout lady, after this other lady had left, she said, I, I, wasn't, I was not dressed as a priest. I was, I, my day off, I was wearing shorts. And she says to me, in six months, I've never seen anybody share a coupon with, with anybody in line. She said, what is it with you? <laughs> I said, I'm a Christian. Apparently, she hadn't heard one. <laughs> so, I, it's, you know, sometimes sharing a burden with somebody is as simple as sharing a coupon at Michael's. I mean, can you imagine that making a difference in the, in the clerk's life? I mean, it, to me, it's a natural thing. I had a coupon. Would you like this discount? You know, um, Christ 
offers us these opportunities. It's not always on a deathbed or something. It's each day there's all kinds of little ways to die to ourselves. And every time we do, there's Christ. Every time that we're emptied a little bit and don't have the answers, there's Christ. Because then Christ can fill it. It's all, the only danger we have is when we think we have all the answers. Because we don't. Christ is there waiting to fill what we lack. And this is why this reading is often read when somebody's very ill. Because they're very aware of what they lack, which is health. They may lack, uh, they don't know what to do in this kind of thing, but Christ is there with them in that vulnerability because what was Christ if not infinitely vulnerable? And so we just thank God that he shares our burdens, one that is fitted for us, but also one that's fitted for him and each one unique. And Christ shares each unique burden with us and he forgives us for the times we run away and he waits for us to share our burdens with him.